Welcome to the Experimental Aircraft Channel podcast and video podcast series, where we talk with our guests about experimental, light sport, and ultralight aviation. We are just getting started with this, so if the audio isn't 100% just yet, bear with us. Perfection is coming. Let's jump right into the interview. All right, everybody, thanks for joining again today in this kind of special virtual uh, interview on Zoom and uh, everybody trying to stay connected during this time of social distancing. Uh, even though we're socially distancing, we want to keep everybody connected in the aviation community. So today we have uh, Rand's Designs uh, on with us, Randy and Michelle. Good morning. Thank you for uh, joining in. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, I figured also since, unfortunately, Sun and Fun 2020 has no longer been moved, it is canceled. Uh, I know some people were or were not attending due to being so busy with production anyway, but just to kind of give people maybe a taste of something that they would have found out during the show um, and being that's no longer there uh, and so forth. So one of the things I'm going to ask is just simply what's new for RANS in 2020 uh, and which aircraft are currently in production, both SLSA and in the kits? Well, we're pretty much full steam ahead on 21s. We're getting uh, uh, quite a few of those ready to fly is done. I think we're doing about uh, what one every two months is what we're trying to go for, and then one a month, and then one every two weeks. So we're ramping up to that, and then uh, we're getting a smattering of seven and 20 cells that uh, – but it's overwhelmingly the S21. Is that mostly the SLSA fully built one, or is that also for the kits? Um, it's weighted to the kits. Yeah. Know, okay. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear that yeah. uh, there's a big demand for that. And I've seen the posts that you all have been doing um, on that. It's a beautiful looking plane. And uh, oh, thank you. It, it's a pretty pretty good performer, too, with the speed. It, it was uh, one of the guys you had just delivered recently. I think it was at the 914 Rotax or 915. 915. 915, mm -hmm. which is 130 horse? 140. Well, you know, depends on what brochure you read. <laughs> okay, so just an average, somewhere around 130, 140 horse. But they were getting, uh, what was the cruise speed on? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, uh, I flight tested it. It had uh, 26 tires and a T3 tailwheel, and I think we'd seen about true about 150. So. That's pretty impressive on that kind of horsepower, isn't it? So yeah, and that's down low. We did some. It, it's kind of yet to be determined where that plane really lives in performance. Okay. Kind of a new animal that we're messing with, and a lot of stuff. A lot of learning curves have burned down and maximizing, optimizing. And we're, we're working our way through it. I think we'll be fairly close to the Titan, although we need a, a day to where we can get together with the two planes and do some uh, decent comparison flying, see what we got. Right. Being that you are the, uh, the engineer in this, uh, where does that really come down to as far as that, that higher cruise speed? Is it more in the airfoil design or just a mix of everything together to get it to that point? It's always, uh, I wish it was just one thing, but it's never one thing. In fact, I just had a discussion with uh, my other part of the engineering staff here about why we're so much better airplane than, say, a typical Cessna 150. And, and it really comes down to uh, airfoil selection, uh, weight reduction, drag reduction, uh, probably 
the most significant way you can improve performance in aviation today is to optimize an airframe uh, any way you can aerodynamically, weight-wise. And then, of course, the biggest significant change we've seen is uh, typically in the power plant. Okay. You know, 912's uh, a better power weight ratio than like an 0200. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I recently myself had a chance to see the kit uh, kind of like, you know, bare bones, if you will. Um, here in Tallahassee, you have a builder and I was quite impressed with the wing design. I didn't realize that you had an extrusion made for the D section um, of the forward rib there. And that is your, um, your spar. Uh, that's a pretty impressive yeah. design. I really like that. It's a great idea. Yeah, that's kind of a funny story. About 20 some years ago, I came up with that. And uh, my engineers on staff at the time just laughed at it and said it was a, a silly idea that wouldn't be very good strength to weight. And I guess I was in a position to be discouraged, so I kind of shelved it. And then I, and then we got to the place of, you know, what the heck, those guys don't work here anymore. Let's, let's go ahead and analyze. <laughs> and we ran it through FEA and it came back, hey, this is actually surprisingly efficient. Huh. And, uh, I, I, wanna, I won't mention the name of the designer, but he's uh, from a, a large country that was very large and then got broke into smaller countries. And <laughs> he uh, made fun of the design at uh, Sun and Fun one year, saying that that's got to be way too heavy and silly and all this stuff. And I, and I told him, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you won't be copying it then. There you go. There you go. If it's that unique. Yeah, well, plenty of aircraft have had, a, I think, a a tubular spar, even like the Grumman Yankee had a tube right in the middle of it, right? So it's just a different yeah. shape tube, if you will. And as you go further out, you spread out the load, right? So in a tube that is very strong. Well, there's two other planes out there that are using the same idea, uh, the Glass Star and Luscom. Okay. But neither that. one of them have taken it as far as we have as making the leading edge uh, part of the spar. Gotcha. Well, it makes it very easy and, and fast to build. Uh, and at the same time, you know, very strong and lightweight because this is light sport aircraft, right? So exactly. no, win, win, win there. So anyway, uh, yeah. pro props to you, pun intended, um, for that design. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you're finding value in this video, hit the like button on this video. And it's really important that you subscribe as it helps me get sponsors like Airworks, Kit Plane Parts, Acme Aero, Edge Performance Engines, and Viking Aircraft Engines. And be sure to check out the links in the description below for special offers from our affiliates. Let's jump back in. Um, so I've seen that you've done a lot of little cartoon drawings recently, and I assume as a designer and a creator, you have that side of you that just is always engaged in that creative side. But at the same time, uh, does that mean that you're getting the creative juices going to do yet another design or just kind of playing with spaceships and stuff at the moment and twin engines? Oh, and wouldn't stuff and, you like to know? Oh, I would right? love to know. Oh. Yeah, we're working on something like a time machine. Uh, warp drive. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. Uh, Watch for it in 2020. <laughs> the, the thing is, we've probably already. I've convinced myself I already did invent time travel, so I don't have to work on it. So I'll come back some point and tell myself I did it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No, seriously, though, we're always working on something. 
Uh, right now, we're doing an intense uh, look at the 21 and see how we can keep polishing it, making it a better and better product. And not that it'll mean that what you find today is obsolete. It just means that the refinements will continue and possibly more add-on options and, and whatnot to uh, enhance the experience of owning a 21. And um, we don't want to do anything to take away from what it is today, you know. In other words, it's a pretty well frozen design and it's going to pretty much stay that way because uh, we've optimized aerodynamics and some of the production aspects. So it's, it's, it's hard to beat, you know, it's hard to beat when you get it to that point to make it better. And there's usually more frustration than there is reward trying to do so. so. Right. Cause anytime you change anything, you have the ripple effect, right? One little change here causes 10 down the, down the road there. Yeah. It's exponential actually. So. Okay. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask about your experience, you know, over the years, um, you know, in the experimental market and world, the biggest thing that everybody talks about is, you know, lack of, uh, uh engine options, of course, you know, just trying to be on the savvy end of things. Cause you, you spend the money on an airframe, which is a big investment. And then you spend that same investment all over again on an engine and everybody's trying to find, you know, the, the bigger, better deal with, remaining in the parameters of lightweight to horsepower. So in, in your opinion, uh, over the years, what's, what's a really good viable engine or several engine options? I mean, obviously Rotax is very popular. You use that a lot in your airframe, but if you, if you had to select, I don't know, at least three, uh, what has been your experiences over the years that might be good options? Well, three, that's uh... is, that, is that a tall order? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do they have to be gas powered? I mean, <laughs> well, I'd say that Rotex is a pretty good uh, benchmark for light, the light end of things. Okay. Uh, I'd say Lycoming and Continental are also very staple items that you'd want to rely on, which you can rely on. Um, I'm pretty outspoken about trying to do other things like say auto conversions don't turn me on too much, but, uh, so really the choices are, are not overwhelming. The sad truth is though, is that the uh, aircraft engines are probably almost 60 years behind in technology compared to automotive. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how we could be optimizing things possibly on the engines, it's slowly creeping into the industry. The 915 is a good example, you know, where we should have been maybe 40 years ago even. So, but, Favorites, uh, it's hard to say. The, the favorites follow the airframe. And if I got a light aircraft that uh, is uh, easy to push in and out of the hangar, you know, it's going to be a road. If it's uh, something, you know, the tendency to fly more comes with a plane that's more accessible. Okay. If it's cheap to operate, if it's fun to handle, you know, easy to actually move in and out of the hangar is one of the big things for me. Because I have several of them to move in. Right, right. So yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's really mission specific to the airframe and whatnot. So the so the Rotax or essentially Legacy engines is still the, yeah. the top for you. If whether it be an automotive conversion or any new engine, being an engineer yourself and in the aviation industry for a very long time, what kind of like test plan or uh, duration of time would you think would be fair and safe to say, okay, that one's stood the test of time and is, is a viable that's, that's or a worth one. looking at. Yeah. 
Wow, that, that's a tough, that's a tall order. We used to have, because when we were, you know, younger and dumber, I guess, we used to say <laughs> if something lasted 200 hours, it's good to put on the list. Okay. I'm not so sold on that anymore. Uh, I really would like to see an engine test uh, be extensive to the point that it's to the overhaul stage, you know, uh, or the stated overhaul stage. Like say, they say it's 2,000 hours. Well, yeah, let's run that baby till it's TBO, you know. Gotcha. It's not always the heart of the engine that's the problem. A lot of subsystem failures are creeping into things. You know, we bit into um, several engine programs over the years, and, and it's almost – never worked out. Um, like I say, Rotex is one of the few that has. Oddly enough. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because I know that it seems like primarily you are using Rotex, but just, you know, what you've experienced over the years. And that's a hot topic among the experimental crowd is, is engines. And there's several out there that are available, but again, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons and, uh, you know, concerns. Well, it's a false, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, I think it's a false economy. A lot of people want to look at a low price and think that that's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, something expensive is cheaper if you can afford it, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Well, also, too, um, some of the stuff is so new, it's not necessarily uh, a, a product uh, yet, right? It's, it still is very much experimental. So it, it depends on where you're at as a builder and your experience level. If you're buying a kit, like you guys have a package deal available, uh, you know, with, with all the metal parts, the plans, the instructions, it all goes hand in hand as a, as a package deal. When you start going into experimental and not that I'm against it, but it does um, adds more time to your build and a lot more investigation and research. So you are really diving a lot deeper into when you go to these other options. So it all depends on what you want as a builder, but yeah, it's, it, it is simpler to do something that's proven and a lot more um, support. Well, the other, the other thing to consider is if you're looking at the spec sheet and the performance of the aircraft, and then you put a different engine and prop combination on there, even different cowling if need be, um, you can't still expect the same performance and specs out mm -hmm. of the airplane. So a lot of times what happens is they'll go put something else on there and then they come back and say, hey, this airplane isn't doing what you said it would do, but you have a completely different setup on it. And so you you have to understand that you may not get the same thing out of your airplane if you're not building what we built and what we test flew and gave you the specs based on. Sure. Sure. Yeah, one of the high values in a kit that's well proven, well tested is that when you do uh, depart from what we've built and tested, and, and you know everybody has that tendency, and experimental is great for that. But you do throw that away; it's kind of a, like throwing a lot of value out of the out of the mix, and it's it's really hard to convince somebody that uh, spending the money for uh, an expensive engine is is cheaper. <laughs> Uh, because what here, a little rundown of what I've seen on our customer base, the guys who do go off the deep end on experimenting on engines is they spend a, an inordinate amount of time tinkering with those engines. And where are they? They don't show up at the fly-ins or the contests. You know, there's a few guys out there that are very uh, able and capable that do show up, you know, with highly modified things. But if you dig into it, they're an exception. Uh, an extreme exception. We want to cater toward 
uh, everybody and, and making an experience accessible. We want aviation to be accessible and affordable. And it may seem like a, a long way around and safe. I mean, reliability is a big deal. We, we want our customers to be around for a long time. Sure, sure. So going back to the airframe uh, with you guys um, and to make it accessible and so forth, do you guys offer this in different stages or like at the, the baby step level of order, order set of plans to review the tail kit or how do you kind of walk through the different steps of that of accessibility? To your yeah, kit? You, can, you, can, you can order the wing kit separate from the fuselage kit, separate from the three tail kits. And then the final kit would be the finishing kit, which puts the whole airplane together and then the engine install kit. Okay. You, you offer the tail kit as three separate components? Yes. Okay. It's got the horizontal, the vertical, well, yeah, you, and the rudder. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Um, although most people are not ordering it like that right now because the lead time is so long. Um, most people just get the whole kit all at one time because it's such a fast build. Yeah. You'd get it all done and then be waiting on us if you if you bought it in those stages. So gotcha. Gotcha. most people are just getting the whole kit in the end all at once. Okay. So. And what is the current uh, lead time on a a full kit at the moment? Um, about a year. We're running mm. we're running at ten to eleven months right now. Um, we're coming up on some real heavy order months, like July. Last July was a really heavy order month, so. We'll probably get a little bit behind that 10 or 11 months. So I'm, I'm saying 12 to 15 months, but I'm hoping we can keep it at the 12 month mark. Yeah. I, I like to hear that too, where you kind of under promise and over deliver, right? Yeah. That's, that's the goal. I'm, I'm saying 12 to 15 as a worst case scenario and then hoping to keep it closer to the 12. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hearing that more and more, at least, you know, uh, a couple months ago, cause we've, we've seen like one of the best economies ever, in in our country and then for aviation i think maybe even in history i don't know but mm. it's doing really good and then all of a sudden we are where where we are now and hopefully we'll get back to normal if that's that's possible but um yeah right now we're still we're still selling to new customers we're still delivering um kits we have a lot of people that have picked up recently we've we've shipped a few i mean it just kind of depends on how close they live but um Kind of all over the board on that but it's still it's still moving out the door so that's, that's really that's really good to hear i'm really happy to hear that uh, so that kind of rolls my next question so being that we are in this kind of uncertain time right now and uh, I, th I think it's a mix of like we're in denial that this is even happening and then also of you know we, we don't know which way things are going to turn so some people are just you know using this as a long vacation um but that being said uh, for the most part, aviation, unless you're doing it like uh, you're in the bush somewhere and you actually need an airplane for groceries or, you know, delivering stuff like that. Otherwise, these are just a hobby or toy type thing. And you would think that'd be the first thing to go in a situation like this. But on the flip side of it, uh, the other thing is, you know, our hobbies and things like that uh, keep us happy in our like our whole emotional, mental uh, health, right? Of, right? of staying focused. So that's the positive side of aviation always, regardless if there's a crisis. But how do you think that people could stay engaged during this time in aviation and to keep aviation healthy during this time? Why? Fly. Simply just go out fly. and fly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go fly and well. post pictures of it and post videos of it and 
We have a lot of customers that are that are doing little little flyouts, you know, where they just walk just, around with ten feet poles after I'm a little get together. Let's go flying, and right. you know, and then they're posting pictures of each other's airplanes flying, and and they're building, and they're getting online, and they're talking about their builds, and they're they're helping each other through the builds, and they're posting pictures of the progress and. Um, we've got a lot of cus customers right now that are super dedicated to their build and posting pictures of the build and people are talking about it and they're really having a good time with it. Good. I'm not so sure if it's really that much different than normal. <laughs> right. I mean, other than they're not flying for the burger and they're not, um, right. yeah. you know, meeting at sun and fun, but, yeah. but they're still flying, which is great. And they're still building, which is great. So, so just encourage, encourage more of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, aviators are a small percentage of the population. I don't know what the latest numbers are. I think what was it, five hundred thousand pilots, three hundred active, three hundred thousand active in the U.S. Something like that. So it's a it's a small sampling of society, and uh, we manage to isolate ourselves every time we crawl into an aircraft. True, true. We, yeah, that's we, what we definitely want uh, some separation when we're flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's one thing I've learned very quickly. I and mean, I've been in aviation, you know, as a, as a pilot since uh, a teenager, but now mm -hmm. trying to get into this more so uh, as a, as a career, you realize very quickly that aviation seems really large, like just really large. But when you get down to it and you start going to these shows and you see the same faces year after year, mm -hmm. and so you realize how small it really is and, and what a family it is. So yeah, during these times of uh, like, Christ, we're not definitely need to pull together and uh, and keep things going. And yeah, you know, sharing, you know, making videos like this to keep people engaged and informed of what's going on. Like, you know, what's if anybody's worried about Rand's? Like, no, look, we're healthy. We're we're still moving on and we'll scale them back a little bit, but we're still we're still doing what we need to do. So there hasn't been any scaling back. Okay. No, we're still hiring. <laughs> yeah. We're doing interviews today. Like we're we're doing everything we can to just keep um Keep it, yeah, keep it going the same as before, if not better. Like we, we had some a plan in place for um, increasing production and increasing the output, and that plan has not changed. So as of everything is still full steam ahead uh, with the plan. Yeah. So good, good. Well, I mean, especially if you've got a lead time of that, and you have you know all these in in queue, right? It, don't stop now. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> no, yeah. it's uh, not much. Uh, change other than the, uh, I would say the texture of life is a little different. Sure, sure. The, the paranoia is palatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was palatable. Yeah. Well, let me uh, add another question here. Just thought of um, stole has become quite the craze, the, the sensation, if you will, lately. And I was going to just ask your opinion because, again, you've been in the aviation industry for such a long time. Do you think it's going to be a fad kind of like American Chopper was for like, you know, 10 years straight? It was a popular thing and everybody had to have one and they just kind of died off to nothing. Or is it just that cameras are became, become more affordable and people are becoming aware of this really Boy. cool thing of being off airport yeah. landing and stuff? It, it could go both ways. It, I think the, the important thing to do is to uh, de-stress some of the, uh, cowboy type of stuff where we're going out and landing on uh, unknown properties and, and jeopardizing the aircraft or possibly, you know, the whole reputation of the thing. I think organized contests are the answer. Uh, that's always been the, 
the kind of the funny thing about it, yeah, uh, that's you have this lot of salmon going upstream. You don't know why. You want to build this airplane and get there. Right. And then after you do it, now what do you do? Well, going around for the $100 hamburgers, it's kind of boring. So it completes what we've been striving for to build a purpose behind it. You know, other than, you know, the wonderful aspect of aircraft is their time machines in terms of transportation. You can uh, cover a lot of ground in a day and see a lot of things and do a lot of things. Sure. Um, yeah, well, you know, I jokingly say it took uh, between the 50s and the 80s to prove that general aviation was impractical as far as transportation <laughs> because of most people aren't going to have the skill sets to negotiate the weather and possibly not the, the equipment to do it safely. So yeah, the uh, stole movement is, is great because it brings purpose to owning a plane uh, besides just that obvious aspect of a transportation tool. Point A to point B. Right. Faster. Time uh, we gotta, we gotta be, we got, uh, we gotta be a little wise about it. We don't want to encourage a lot of activity that uh, could jeopardize it. And I, I, I stress the organized uh, events are, are the way to do it because that way uh, it's visible. It's a great spectator sport. There's a lot uh, a higher aspect of safety and whatnot. You know, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations. It's like the guy who buys a, four by four Jeep, you know, and he's going to do all this crazy stuff in the mountains. Rock climbing. And, and uh, then he realizes, wow, I got a $70,000 machine. I'm going to do what with it? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the airplane. Yeah. You're flying around and your buddy lands on a small uh, patch of uh, sand in a river, a sandbar. And oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. Right. So. But get some practice somewhere else first, right? Before yeah. real, real world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, let peer pressure uh, increase your aviation repair bill. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There's lots of competition uh, in, in, in that for sure. Let me ask you uh, something else uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of end from there. Just, I'm just curious being that, uh, you know, the personal side of Randy and Michelle outside of work here, obviously you, you live, eat, breathe, sleep, aviation, but outside of that, I see that you're an artist. You enjoy that kind of stuff and, and drawing and, and uh, what other things are you interested in other than aviation when you're not aviating? We have the Can Am Maverick. Uh, we saw that. And you yes. guys are going to be wearing helmets from now on when you do that, right? It's possible. I don't know. <laughs> we, um, yeah, we go out to the mountains and we ride with a group of friends. Um, that's something that we do that's outside of aviation. And, and we only talk about airplanes maybe a third of the time we're riding right. for right. our other pilots there with us. But um, we really enjoy that. That's fun. And we have a second home in Indiana where I'm from and we go back there from time to time. And of course we're grandparents. So we spend some time with grandkids and that's always fun. And yeah, we're pretty normal. Really. We travel a lot. Yeah. Always about airplanes. Okay. Most of the time, but not always. <laughs> um, I have seen a downside to me that. either. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. We, I would say that aviation is, or RANS in general and aviation is a huge part of our lives. Um, and we're both very happy about that. We wouldn't, we've, we obviously have an opportunity for it not to be, but we still choose for it to be. So yeah, we, um, yeah, I would say it's probably the biggest part of our lives, but we, we do other stuff too. And how, how does that dynamic work with you as a husband and wife team, or have you always had a passion for aviation? I ask that because you know, now, um, you know, as of a year ago, I, I started a little business here and 
Experimental Aircraft Channel is becoming a business, but I, I work primarily from a home office. And so I get to see my wife and kids a lot these days, but at the same time, I don't have a coworker anymore. So a lot of our conversations are aviation throughout the day. And sometimes she just wants to talk about something else. And it's like, I forget that from time to time, you know, which is like, to me, this is very helpful. This is me. This is my outlet to talk aviation other than with my wife because she hears it all day long, right? Yeah. It's not so like we, that at we, all. Or? We talk about it a lot. I would say that, but we have such a broad, a broad range of stuff to talk about when it comes to aviation. So there's the design aspect, which Randy talks about a lot and we bounce ideas off each other a lot about that. Cool. So we have 20 some employees and so we talk about that aspect and then we talk about the financial aspect and, you know, just, it's, it's so broad for us. Um, you know, we, so we, it's, it's, it's a variety from one topic to the next pretty frequently. So that keeps it interesting. Um, in addition to that, um, we each have a strength within this company, but we each have weaknesses within the company. So that helps us a lot too. You know, we, we kind of rely on each other to make it all come together. Um, and then when we're just really tired of it, we go ride the ATV. So, I mean, we just, you know, we make it work. I mean, well, it's, you know. it's more than a job. It's a lifestyle. It really sure. is. Sure. It connects us to so many. One thing I've noticed being, you know, my, over my career, I've been in two industries, the bike industry, the bicycle industry, and the aviation industry, and, and both of them have wonderful people in it. Uh, but I do see a slight difference in the aviation people. They, they have, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to define the quality. They're, they're a very enthusiastic crowd. Uh, you'll see guys that are just living to uh, build their airplanes. You know, we've got guys in their 90s building aircraft. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see that. You know, and, and I think that's why we stay so charged up about it, because it, it does give back to us what we invest in it. Sure. Yeah, it really is the people. I mean, our customers are, I, I feel like they're very like down to earth and approachable and just real everyday people from every walk of life. You yeah. know, we have the veterans, we have farmers, we have manufacturers, I mean, everything in between. And so that keeps things really interesting. Sure. Um, you know, and, and we talk to a lot of them frequently. And so, you know, but that changes every day, which is, it keeps it, keeps it interesting and exciting. And then of course, when we get to meet them and become friends with them and so many of them become our family, even, um, it's not been, it's been, it's been, not really been a disappointing career. That's for sure. No. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I've really enjoyed about this in this past year is uh, if nothing else, the access, right. Um, the somebody's home garage hangar and, and hear right. them share their passion and what they've done. They, I mean, everybody is excited to share what they're doing. Right. And I get to yeah. witness that firsthand, yeah. you know, and I've got a, a good list of people to visit here in Florida with uh, Rand's builders. That I hope to get on the road here in the next, hopefully a few weeks and, and share some more of, of what people are building in their, their garage with the Rand. So, that's something to look forward um, yeah, to. Yeah, by the it. time you get down there, they're going to be flying them. Probably. Yeah, yeah I mean, with all this extra time, they're going to be done. Yeah, yeah. They're they're right at the cusp of being done. So <laughs> you're going to end up maybe getting a demo flight rather than, than well, talking. Hey, that's, that's fine, too. You know, to be honest <laughs> with you, um, over the years of, you know, growing it with EAA, like everybody else has, um, but looking at the back of the sport aviation uh, magazine, I always flip to the back. 
to see the completions. See who's done. <laughs> you know, that was the first thing I'd flip to is straight to the back to see what and who and where uh, was building stuff. And that was just, and that's kind of why I'm doing this. That was what always excited me about um, you know, the experimental side. Unfortunately, those magazines only show the tip of the iceberg, you know. True. So many more completions going on between all the brands and what they illustrate in those magazines. Well, I'm glad you got through Hayes last time, you know, and that the, uh, the uh, locals were able to help you guys out. Yeah, my apologies. I really, really, I mean, it was all set up. I wanted to come by and then thanks that the truck broke, you know, the deaf thing, you know, with the diesel, which we got, I got to do a video for Hayes Ford. Thank you, Hayes Ford again. You know, for taking care of us on a Saturday for. And luckily they had toys. Yeah, they had some really cool things to look at. Well, you're um, always welcome in Hayes. Come back anytime. We'd love to have you, and uh, we'll do a proper tour when you come back through. Well, I would really appreciate that. That would yeah. that would be awesome. Well, yeah. thank you all very much for taking a few minutes out of your day today to meet with me and to keep people engaged sure. in aviation and share that you are still running strong out there. We you are. Know. So get yeah. out there and fly. Get out there and fly. All right. Well, I'll check fly. in. I'll check in with you guys again soon. Thanks for joining me today. All right. All right Talk Brian. to you later, Brian. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you for joining us here on the Experimental Aircraft channel for the video podcast and or podcast. These episodes will be available on YouTube as well as all the popular podcast platforms. Thanks for watching or listening. We'll catch you next time.